I don't think I like men anymore. We still like you. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to learn more about it because you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy Award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Sipple Shepard. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. I hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every two weeks. This is going to take several years, as you can imagine. So please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. Thank you for listening to Read the Mind, See the Movie Part 1. And now, here's Part 2. Now, the assistant that comes out, she's very similar to the assistant in Gunfight. With the real early 80s clothing, the shirt right up to the neck and... Yeah, and yes, the frilly up to the neck and the like kind of blazer and the hair on top of the head. These early episodes are so... They're just more dated. They're more dynasty. They're very soapy. This is the last of the soapy episodes, I would say. You know, mm-hmm. I think with next week we get into like real moonlighting. And Vivian Baker as well. She has that same kind of look, that short hair on top of the head, high collared, very structured kind of dress. Yes, very. I can't get over how very, very 80s this is. Early 80s, though. These are the most dated episodes, Mm. I'd say. For anyone watching like Moonlighting Now, you know, some of my friends that are watching it along um, with us for the first time, um, I keep telling them, you know, these episodes are good, but wait until a little bit later in the show. It's not so... Dallas dynasty, you know, it's not so soapy, love boatish, whatever. You know, even the music sometimes, even when he says, you know, they have the whole dialogue, do you believe me? And he says, no, but I believe in you. The music soars after that. And it's so like romantic and soapy, which we like, but that's not really typical moonlighting. It is just a bit of a throwback to these more soapy shows. Can I just go back to when they were rushing out of SRT Industries in the previous scene and she's so angry and she's and he's following her. Yeah. It's very similar to just there's probably other scenes very similar to it, but one scene that really stands out for me is that scene in The Man Who Cried Wife and yeah. she's just found out that he's killed oh, yeah. her. And she walks out and she's and you know, I'm digging my heels in and <laughs> you know. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. She does a lot of that. (laughs) Stomping downstairs, stomping away. Mm. I agree. And uh, yeah, with Omar Gauss' home and probably the the home that you're talking about in um, The Man Who Cried Wife, there's a section of LA called Hancock Park, and they use a lot of the houses 
from Hancock Park in these episodes. And I've, you know, driven past, I know where some of them are driven past and looked. And um, this, this house looks like one of the houses from Hancock Park, you know, they have, um, they're very big houses. It was kind of like the Beverly Hills of its time before Beverly, Beverly Hills became what it is. Like Judy Garland used to live in um, Hancock Park. So they have some really big like mansion houses, but that are accessible. You know, the neighborhood is like really beautiful to stroll through, ride a bike, walk, take a walk and like look at these big, beautiful homes. And they use a lot of these in moonlighting. So I would say that Omar Gauss's home is one of those. Yeah, I used to go through it all the time. Yeah, I know where Judy Garland's house is. There are a few houses in a row, starting with Judy Garland's. And then the one next to hers was also used either in a famous movie. It's not coming to mind right now. And maybe the house across the street. There are like two or three houses in, in a row or in a group that were all used in either like famous scenes and movies or like celebrities lived there back in the day. And still the wealthy people live there and, and stuff, but they are very accessible. Yeah. So the house that they used in My Fair David, that is gated, but you can still peek through the gates and see it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just a gate around the house. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. it's not a gated community or anything like that. Yeah. You can definitely drive through it. Yeah. My, my sister and I lived near that neighborhood, so we would drive through quite a bit. Yeah. I did the bus tour when I was in Los Angeles. You obviously couldn't get too close because a lot of them were gated communities. So they showed us from the hill. So that house on the hill belongs to Harrison Ford. Yeah, the, and the bus wouldn't take you through this Hancock Park that I'm talking about. But yes, the bus would show you, yeah, more of the gated homes, you know, closer to Beverly Hills and the Hollywood Hills and things like mm. that, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, so they're yeah. in the alpha room. All of a sudden, the curtains close. Yeah. So Bruce decides to sing The Twilight Zone. There's another song. And also a reference in a way because uh, Bruce was in an episode of The Twilight Zone shortly before Moonlighting. Oh, was he? I didn't know that. Yeah. It was called um, Shatterday. He plays himself. I think I watched it a long time ago, so I might have the plot a little bit wrong, but it's like he plays two characters in that, maybe himself in the future or like sliding doors kind of situation or something like that. But anyway, yeah. So um Bruce did Miami Vice and he did The Twilight Zone and maybe made a little cameo in one other thing uh, before Moonlighting, but that's pretty much all he had done. Yeah, I I just thought he did the commentary really well of the original Twilight series with the same diction and accent. The guy actually says it. Yeah, Rod Sterling, the way he says it. Yes, I agree. He does a really good job impression. You are about to enter a world, a world of wondrous imagination, not only of sight and sound, but of mind, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into moving furniture. I agree. So, yeah, um, it's all kind of creepy in there, isn't it? Like automatic, you know, they close the curtains and um, very heavy curtains and dark wood. And yeah, the whole environment is a little bit um, heavy. I think these days that's a very cluttered room for me anyway. Oh, yeah, I agree. I was noticing all the things in the background too. And Omar says, dim light calms the eyes and the sound calms the mind. Mm, wow. Now, what was with Bruce when he said that? He said, can you do this with his fingers? What was that? I would say that's either a reference to Star Trek, Mork and Mindy, maybe just kind of out of this world experience, you know, you're like alien-like. Can yes. you do this? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I just couldn't work out the reference why he would do that after what Omar just said. I think it's also, you know, David just being kind of flippant in a way, like, yeah, but can you do this? You know, (laughs) it could could be a lot of things with David, you know. He's just being a smart ass, seriously. (laughs) Yes, yes. I think he's just like, yeah, I think he's a bit flippant sometimes, you know. Yeah, David. And then 
Maddie tells him what um, he, she heard from Preston Holt, right? Yeah, and of course, here we go with the sexist remark. Yeah. Um, yes. He says, were you prone when Holt told you that? Yep. Now, I thought she reacted with restraint because I would have slapped yep. him one, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And that uh, knowing Maddie, you know, she could have slapped him as well. But And, of course, David, in his way, hang on, answer the question. I know, I know. And no, David. The other question I have going back, how the hell did he fit that big diary book in the back of his trousers? <laughs> Please. And then sat down. And then sat down. So you're telling me he's got that in the back of his pants through that whole interview. I know. Okay. Silly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there are um, a couple of thoughts about them sitting there listening to Omar Gauss talking about what he's done for um, Holt, right? Hmm. I love the shot of Maddie and David sitting on the couch next to each other. First of all, one thing I have always noticed is how high that slit of Maddie's skirt goes. It's almost like she's not even wearing a skirt on one side. It goes all the way up to her hip. Her entire thigh is out. Yes. She's crossed her legs to the side while they're talking to him. And I thought, wow, that slit's gone quite up her leg. Yeah. It is like the highest slit ever. And then how this shot is structured, her and David are almost, their body language is like turning away from each other a little bit. They're almost like sitting in the same way. They're like mirror images. of Mirror each other images. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, so, she turned away from both of them after what they said. So and yeah. obviously she stayed in that position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And David has his, his leg crossed the other way. And yeah, they're, they're both just like sitting, listening to Omar Gauss, whatever. But I, I just love the composition of the shot, I guess, is what I'm trying to say how they are sitting there kind of mirror images of each other. It's actually a great scene showing that visual without actually saying anything. Yes. You know what the meaning is. Right. Okay. And then uh, here is where you might have to do a little explaining with the Omar Gauss. So he is saying that he's done some work for Preston Holt, but what he found out for him was really actually meaningless. So he hasn't really told Holt anything that was helpful. Is that what he's trying to say here? That's right. At the moment, you think he's lying. Yeah. Till later. So that's yeah. why when they go out, he looks through the diary, thinking that Preston Holt is going to be in the diary, but it's not. It's the bakers. Right. Mm. Yeah. The plot so, thickens. Yeah, the plot thickens. Right. The bakers are in. Yes. Okay. They're done talking to Omar, and then they go out. And this is one of my favorite lines from Maddie. You know, and this is just like, I think, a quick line. It's just so funny how the lines can be so good and they go by so fast that you don't really even notice it, you know, unless you think about it, Maddie walks out still upset and says something like, you know, Baker custom me or something like that. I'm not, I'm paraphrasing here. I've written it down. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I love this whole line. Yes. So she says, Brian Baker called me names. Preston Holt lied to me. Omar Gauss mocked me. I don't think I like men anymore. And he says, well, we still like you. We still like you. <laughs> That's such a great line. Oh, oh, yeah, such it's a, a great line. Yeah, and it's so good that you want it to last longer. You know how some yes. lines are so good that you want it to go a bit longer because it's so enjoyable to listen to. <laughs> yes, yes. I remember uh, someone made a meme of this dialogue, which I put on uh, you know one of my social media sites at some point because it's so good. It's like. All these men, you know, did all these crappy things to me. I don't think I like men anymore. And he's like, well, we still like you. (laughs) Just, yeah, like you said, you want to go on longer. And then they they move on to like, you know, why'd you take that book? And 
Yep. So he's saying we're going to do some surveillance. And he goes, you're going to look great in black. I love this. Now, this is moving into a part of the episode that is my favorite. The whole surveillance thing is hilarious. It is so great. It is so good. And, of course, they're there under the tree in black with a hat, you know, and they've got her opera glasses. (laughs) Oh, yes, I know. Instead of and, binoculars, they've got her opera glasses and, you know, she's saying, you said it was going to be so much fun and, you know, I'm so cold and all this sort of stuff. I like how he says, oh, it must be family night at the Oracles. Yeah, they're dragging out. Uh... Baker Senior, yeah. And it's the most hilarious scene when she says, you said this was going to be fun. What do we do now? We sit and wait. For what? For them to go inside, get out of sight so we can make our move. Great, we're sitting and waiting. You said this was going to be fun. I said that? Yeah. Boy, was I wrong. And they Boy, go both go wrong. down together behind the bush. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of kind of, um, not so much, maybe not slapstick, but just tongue-in-cheek kind of playfulness about this scene. Um, okay, a few observations. Maddie's chewing gum. I don't think we've like ever see her you know, before or after chew gum before. Um, they're all in black. I can just see them like we wear all black and we've got to bring, you know, these certain tools and everything. And she's probably like, you know, he's like, oh, we need binoculars or, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm like picturing them planning and like gathering and, and she's like, well, I don't have binoculars. I have opera glasses, you know, and she brings those. I don't know. just what goes through my mind. So to one of our listeners, Jason, I must um, say, you know, he challenged me a little bit about, you know, in the pilot episode when Maddie was wearing a hat, I said, Maddie didn't wear a hat again until later. I'm um, in blonde on blonde. <laughs> but now I see, okay, yes, Jason, I, you're right. She's wearing a hat here. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, she's wearing a beanie. Yeah, a beanie. Yeah. So she is wearing something on her head. I'm sure he'll challenge me on. So anyway, I'll, I'll give that one to you, Jason. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just love how they're how they're dressed and everything. And, and again, we go back to David kind of um, training Maddie in a way. But every time David kind of tries to take the lead and train, he makes a fool of himself, you know, like he doesn't have the right binoculars and yeah, um, you know, other things that happen, like when, when he throws the uh, hook later and she says he missed the house and, and things like that. Like David is always trying to act like he, he's got it all figured out. He knows what he's doing, but Maddie's always kind of showing him that he doesn't quite have it all figured out. And one thing I noticed too was, She's come along with this black carry bag. Yes. And when he's asking her to get stuff out, she brings out a magazine. Does I know. Think that we're going to sit there and read. <laughs> and he rolls his eyes, you know, and this is a very like coupley scene, I think. You know, it's almost like boyfriend, girlfriend, like, you know, she's got the bag. She's supposed to have all the stuff ready for the surveillance. You know, the hook is in there. And what does she pull out? I was trying to see what else she pulled out too. Like she might've had other things, but definitely a magazine. And there was one other thing that she like, I'm not sure what it was, but something black that she held in her hand. And he was like, kind of like, oh my gosh, she's got all these like girly things in here. And we're supposed to be these detectives. She's a typical model that she's going to bring all that stuff with her. Yeah, right. She's a bit of a girly girl, you know, and there's some funny lines like the ground is wet. And he's like, what ground? I'm taking it back. Oh, and they and he has like um, a leaf on his head, like they're trying to kind of blend in with the surroundings. I mean, everything is just like silly and funny. From what I've seen in some of the interviews with Sybil, she really enjoyed doing stuff like that, doing crazy things, kind of like, as we well know in future episodes. Some physical comedy. I really like how, yes, he missed the house, but then he missed the house. Yep, that's yeah, so cute. and then he he puts on, he throws the hook on the on the top of the house, and yeah. um. 
she goes, what's that for? He goes, you pull on it and the butler brings you food. Now, yeah. <laughs> now, for people that don't know, just in case, I'm sure people do, but if you don't know, back in the old days, in the early 20th century, mm. in, um, you know, aristocracy, they had bells in the um, workers' quarters in the kitchens and it had a yeah. name on each bell. And so the whoever it was, you know, living in the house would pull on this bell in the bedroom, which would coincide with that bell in the kitchen, which meant so-and-so would like you to come up because they want a cup of tea or something, whatever. And that was right. their way of communicating. So if you've seen Downton Abbey, you'd know what I mean. Yeah, Downton Abbey. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, good reference there. Yes, he does say that. And, I, and also I, I think it's a bit of a reference to like Maddie and her like high society, you know, like, oh, she probably thinks, you know, she's never seen anything like this before. She probably thinks like this is, you know, just kind of like poking at her higher society mentality, I guess, or status. But she was thinking logically, can't we just use the pipe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so there's like climbing. And she starts climbing and David's like, oh, so there's three times where he's trying to show Maddie the ropes. And so with the binoculars, she had to bring her opera glasses. And then he throws the hook at the house. You miss the house. And then why do you have this anyway? We can climb up the pipe, you know? Maddie is often like kind of being like, duh, David. <laughs> yeah, and it's really funny because it, it's with them and then it goes to Omar Gauss and Old Man Baker. Then it goes back to them and then it goes back to Old Man Baker. Um, yeah. I, I think that's where it makes it funny. It cuts it off at the right time so that the comedic yeah. timing is, is, um, is really good. And once they get on the roof, um, it really reminds me. Now, I don't know if this is a reference to To Catch a Thief, which was an Alfred Hitchcock movie from 1955 with Cary Grant and Grace Kelly, because Cary Grant was a, a jewel thief. And mm. I won't go into <laughs> It'll be a spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie. But if you haven't seen the 1955 movie To Catch a Thief by Alfred Hitchcock, go and watch it. It's terrific. And you'll see the similarity when Cary Grant is on the roof and mm. the people below. And I think there's a pool there as well from memory. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it could be, I reckon it's a bit of a reference to To Catch a Thief. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that sounds like a good comparison, good reference. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, and a lot of, like I've talked about before, Maddie's saying, what do we do now? What do we do now? Okay, so what are we going to do? A lot of that. So she's definitely like letting David take the lead, even though she has to show him up a few times. Yeah, I did notice that quite a bit in this episode. What do we do next? What do we do next? And I thought of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. How the heck was she holding David by the legs? Seriously. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so like, funny. I don't know how much he weighs, but he's like six foot something. Yeah, he's like six one, six two, maybe. And then um, she's like, David, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, it, yeah, it's such a silly scene anyway, because there's no way that she could, um, A, hold him. No. And uh, yeah, like lower, lower, lower. Mm lower lower it's it's really it's funny it's just meant to be funny i think and then the funniest part is she didn't really drop him uh, he slipped out of his shoes she's left just holding his shoes which is hilarious oh it's so funny yeah and he's just in the bushes you know like he wouldn't have broken his neck from that fall but anyway oh yeah she was genuinely sorry that she dropped him she was really frightened that he'd hurt himself it's a cute scene where you see them kind of, um, care, you know, being very like working together, caring about each other. This is what I mean. Like now they're really working together in the, in the episode, very genuinely concerned, you know, and then he comes back up on the roof and she says, 
do you want to try it again? You can hold me this time, you know, <laughs> which I think is also very sweet. Yes. Yeah. So he's dropped um, Maddie down, but as he she got down too low, how Maddie couldn't have got him that low, but he can get her that low. I couldn't work that out. But anyway, he got her that low to the window that old man Baker sees Betty, thinks it's Betty. Omar turns around and goes, oh, my God, we got prowlers. So now they had to get back up and now they're on the roof and he's like, do you know how to swim? It's more like, do I know how to fly? Yeah. yeah so they both got to get undressed and he's got the most hilarious T-shirt. Yeah. Medicate me. Medicate me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think of his excuse that you're going to want to have as little on you as possible when you hit the water? (laughs) Yes. Is this relevant? You know, or do you want Maddie like stripped down to her underwear? Yeah. So I don't know if that's true. Is that a true thing that you should have less clothes on if you're falling from a bridge? Yeah. Who knows? You know, the clothes would get weighed down, I guess. So he probably has a point. Now, I remember reading somewhere that they were on location. They filmed this scene. You know, it was very cold, really late at night. So probably one of those like kind of difficult scenes that were late, taxing long hours. Anyway, so yeah, there they are. Like you said, um, he has his shirt on, medicate me. She's in her underwear. I love Maddie's hair here. See, I like it when Sybil's hair is just kind of relaxed, you know, kind of straight. And they both look very attractive here. Yeah, it's more natural look. You see her without having that fancy yeah. hairstyle. Um, and I really thought it was a great stunt when they jumped off the roof. into That the was. Yeah. Great Obviously stunt. doubles. Yeah. I couldn't quite tell. I think when they're jumping, it really does look like them. But the scene of them smashing into the pool, I don't know whether that's them. I doubt it. When they're in the pool, yes, that is them. When they're running out of the pool, when that gentleman is shooting at them, that's definitely not them running off. No. Randolph, that's his name. I think when they're jumping, it's doubles. And I actually think that there's a man playing a double for Maddie. And when when they're running away from the pool as well. Um, Really? Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's a woman. I think it's maybe a more slight man with a wig. And that's what I see. When they're hitting the water, I think it's probably stunt doubles. But um, in the water, when it is Bruce and Sybil, and we see them underneath the water, and um, I guess she is kind of smiling at him like we made it in a way. Did you notice that they're holding hands? I noticed they're just both pointing up, but I didn't notice them holding hands, no. Yeah, so um, they're pointing up, but either like as they're in the water, right as they're going up, her hand slides into his and they're holding hands and they like kind of float up together. Okay. So yeah, check that out next time they're holding hands. Because to me, that's not Maddie and David. That's Sybil and Bruce. Mm. Like they want to help each other up. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of helping each other up like through the scene. Anyway. Yeah. They come up out of the water and then they're getting shot at right away. Tell you what, Randolph is a really bad shot. Oh my gosh. I know. Is it like shooting all over the place? He can't hit anything. Yeah. So they run out of the pool and they run to the Porsche and that's clearly not them as well. Why do they have the Porsche? That's my next question. You're way ahead of me, Shauna. I've written here. Wonder why they brought the Porsche and not the Beamer. Yeah. Because it's a fast getaway. Faster car. Maybe David, you know, when she drove off without him other times, maybe he was driving the Porsche. Maybe they had two cars at that point. Mm. But yeah, I think it's interesting. Maybe it was just a sexier scene. And then um, when they're like running and they're wet and they get into the car, that's definitely not Maddie. I think that's, if you look closer, I think it's actually a a male stunt double. Mm. But anyway, they get in the car and then he, what does he say to her? Now, this is the part where I think, you know what, don't stop and talk to her. Just drive off, will you? Because there's people after you, first of all. 
Yeah, but he says something uh, sexy to her. Just for the future, wet becomes you. Great. That's right. Wet becomes you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't write it down. Yeah. It's very flirty. It is very flirty. Yeah. For future reference. Yeah. In other words, I'm going to get you. Yeah. Someday I'll, I'll get you. And yeah, exactly. Just uh, for future reference, what becomes you. Okay. So, and then she says, great. Okay. So if I had written this episode, I wouldn't have had her say great. I don't think, I just don't think it was the right response. Yeah. Great isn't a great response, but I don't know. Yeah. What would you have her say? I think she should have said something like, oh, please, or something more within Maddie's character would have been something like um, start the car. Yeah. You know? Great, isn't it? It's almost like she's responding to him saying something else. Yes. But Bruce looks good with his hair slicked back. I love it when he has his hair slicked back like that. It's kind of a la um, dream sequence. Oh, God. It doesn't matter how his hair is. Even in no hair, he's awesome. I know. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, they drive off. They're back at Blue Moon and they're telling Vivian what's going on, that Brian takes their father to Omar Gauss, who tells him what to say to old man Baker. And then Omar has been double-crossing Brian and sells all the secrets to Holt, or so we think. I have a question. Yes. Now, Maddie was trying to tell them earlier that Holt went to Omar Gauss and, you know, was possibly getting the secrets from him, right? Yep. So why would the Bakers go and talk to Omar Gauss again? Why would you ever visit the guy again if you thought that he was giving information to your competitor? Or was it because Baker Sr. wanted to go and he trusted in this guy? Why would you ever go there again if that's where you thought the leak was? Yeah, well, first of all, you've got to remember that old man Baker doesn't know about what's going on in the background. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that when they were in Brian Baker's office with Vivian, obviously Vivian's on to the whole thing because she's obviously behind it. But Brian doesn't believe one word they're saying. And obviously he doesn't know what his sister has been up to. But as Brian says to Omar, he said, just remember, my father doesn't need you if he passes away. I'm not yeah. going to need you. He said, I've heard that there might be a leak here. And he goes, yeah. oh, yeah, that couple were here today and I, I was going to ring you about it. And obviously we find out later that he was quite innocent. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why they've gone back because Brian is desperate for the father to get Betty to say no to Vivian and yes to producing more of the laser gun. And not only that, Brian is desperate to get the CEO position of the company as well as he's been yearning for it for so long. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. It's a bit crazy. I know what you mean. That he's got an inkling that it's him. Inkling. <laughs> inkling. Inkling of murder. Ooh, maybe that's where it came from. That's where it probably came from, yeah. But he probably doesn't want to believe it because he really wants Omar to tell his father what he wants. So he's kept going with that relationship. Yeah. So Vivian is in um, Maddie's office here. And, of course, after that conversation, she says, well, I'll think I'll, I'll go back to my father now and tell him um, everything you've told me. Well, she, she'll ask her father to reinstate them as consultants for the firm. But clearly she never does those two things because it's obviously going to incriminate her. Yeah, right. Maybe Vivian thinks it's best to keep them happy, keep them close. 
Yeah, well, that's what they say. Keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer. Yeah, maybe something like that. And then David does something very, like, <laughs> uncharacteristic. It's not really something we ever see David do again. It's not my favorite thing that he ever does. <laughs> and he says, yabba dabba do." Yes, that's right. It could be another reason why they can't stream the show. Yeah, the old Flintstone. <laughs> yeah, Flintstone reference. And that's right. I love I love the Flintstones. And yeah, I used to watch that after school all the time. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it, did you find that an odd thing for David to do? Yeah, but David do. No, Just not really. He doesn't do it again, though. No, he uses references, but he doesn't actually act that out. And then the next scene. I really thoughts? like the next scene because they show the sunset. Ooh. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was an interesting transition. Sorry, there's a little birdie that just, the kookaburra making noise out there, sorry. It's like a symbol of them ending their day well and they're back at the office. Interesting transition. Yeah, and obviously she's, you know, starting to get a little bit cocky saying that, you know, I think, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, saying like we're, we're pretty good at this. Yeah, and she's saying, yeah. oh, yeah, you said the horse is dead, stop beating it, don't go any further with the investigation. Of course, he does a backflip. Yeah saying that, you know, oh, I was only joking, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Now, Maddie's look here, talking about dated. The hair. No, she never really has it like this again. But this... The hair is just so not Maddie to me. It's just interesting. You know, it's so 80s dynasty. I think Bruce was right in not liking her hairstyle. I don't know whether they were trying too hard to make her like a 50s or 40s movie star, Mm. you know, with the diffusion and the hairstyles. And um, I don't know whether they were trying too hard. They should have just left it really simple. I really like the pilot, to be honest. Now, I don't know if that's. 2021 grace talking but you know it's easy to say that now but you know at the time that here in the pilot might have been not what it should be in the pilot I don't know it's a bit hard to remember hairstyles over the decades it's kind of a classic that one length bob but what Sybil said in some of the commentary is that her hair in the pilot it always had to be like smoothed and combed and in these later episodes it was simpler to curl the hair and spray it to death, you know, so it would like stay in one spot (laughs) and it wouldn't need to be constantly like re-combed and repositioned. Um, So that's why she often had like the curly cemented hairspray kind of look. 
Right. So that reminds me of um, Gunfight when she's in the restaurant with Farley Rye. Her yeah. hair is so smooth and one length and, you know, I would assume that I would like have that. taken them a, quite a while to get that I, right. Yeah. It's just like her on the rooftop. I just prefer the natural hair that just kind of like falls down in a more yeah, natural yeah. way, not so much this like, you know, this to the side, like curly do that she's got here. And I really like um, the way the non-model look that she's got with the beanie, you know, she's slumming it. You mean when she's, when they're on? Like, when on, they're uh, on the roof with, you know, when she's oh, yeah. wearing the beanie. I know. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And her hair's more natural there. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I just think this scene in particular is a very dated scene because of, partly because of her hair. Mm. I like the scene itself. It's just the look of it. Um, yeah. Of course, she's getting cocky and he said, don't get cocky. I've seen you in your underwear. I know. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's funny. And he's relaxed and he's loving life because Maddie's happy and they're like, you know, working the case and he's kind of got what he wants and he's got his leg kicked up, his legs kicked up on the desk. Yes, and she sits yes. on the corner of the desk again. So, yeah. so far, I don't think we've seen him. I always thought of him doing that more to her desk, but like yeah. so far we've seen her do that more. So they do the old switcheroo eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I really, you know, when she says the horse is dead, stop beating it. Right. Yeah. He actually reminds me of Cher in Moonstruck. Yeah. She, yeah. When she says to Nicolas Cage, snap out of it. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. I don't know. Yeah. It's just the way the way she says it. It's very similar to how she says it to Ronnie in um, yeah, Moonstruck. Yeah. I, it's probably a reference to something. I always think of like The Godfather or something like that. The horse is dead. Stop beating it. I don't know. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's some reference there. But yeah. Again, if anyone knows, write in. Yeah, we're pretty good together, aren't we? A regular Herman and Catnip. Yeah. So I looked that up because I yeah. have no idea who Herman and Catnip were. So obviously yeah, it's a cat and mouse cartoon. I only know of Tom and Jerry. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, so it's, that's a cartoon. So a little partnership, I guess. So then they're just kind of like having their little celebratory moment, right? They're like, oh, they're patting themselves on the back. We've done a great job. We've solved this, et cetera, et cetera. It's a sweet little scene and really shows that they're kind of like bonding and, you know, that Maddie thinks that this is going to work and all of that. David's happy, like we said. And then Maddie's in bed and David's out and the phone rings. I always <laughs> like it when David's out and he thinks of Maddie and he calls her and she's like. Yeah. yeah. And he's always at a bar and he always goes to a payphone. Yeah. yeah. The payphones goes to a bar. It's all crowded. She's in bed, of course, sleeping. And uh, yeah, I like, hello. You know, she's got the phone. Um, <laughs> she doesn't have the receiver to her mouth. That's when people had house phones, Grace, and there were pay phones at bars <laughs> back in the 80s. I, yeah, I like how this is all cut. He goes, who, what, what does he ask her? Who sabotaged the gun? Who sabotaged the gun, right? And then next scene, he came to Maddie's house. They're figuring out that they haven't quite solved all of it. Yeah, so David says, who sabotaged that laser gun? I get the crawlers and nuts about the way Brian runs a company. I get that Brian takes Carl to Omar so he can coffee clutch with his dead wife. I get that Omar is greedy, so he sells what Brian and Carl tells him to hold. I get all that. But who reversed the wires on that laser gun? Does it matter? Damn straight it matters. We're not as smart as we think we are, you and I. There's another bad guy in this store, and we're not even on to him yet. Yeah. They're, they're both um, trying to figure it out, right? And he sits down on the couch, and she's like next to her, and the phone rings. She gets up. Now, I'd like to talk to you about this. So... She's sitting down with David. David sits down next to her. She gets up to go to the phone. He talks to Vivian on the phone. She gets off the phone and instead of turning to where David is sitting, 
She doesn't. Yeah. She talks mm. sideways. Mm. Unless David has got up and come to her yeah. next to the phone, but we don't know that. She is not right. looking at David. Mm. Okay. Have you noticed that? And that this happens twice no. in this episode. Oh, really? Sorry, I have to go back to the limousine when she's in the car with Preston Holt. She starts talking to him and he's going, no, it's not true. And then she goes, oh, it's not true. Now, she is not looking at him. Oh. She should be turning her head to the right like this. You can imagine, mm-hmm. listeners, mm-hmm. you can imagine me turning my head to the right. She's not turning her head to the right to talk to him. She's sort of talking on an angle as if there's somebody opposite them in the limousine. Ah, now, obviously, that had right. something. To, if you watch it again, it's very, very noticeable. She's not looking mm. at him. And that obviously right. has something to do with the angle like she liked to be filmed yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah, the camera angle. I don't know. But she's not looking at him. And when she answers the phone, when Bruce right. is sitting down, she looks sideways, talking to nobody, to be quite honest, because there's nobody yeah. there. <laughs> sure, mm-hmm. I mean, David's sitting down on the couch. So, Anyway, you guys, listeners out there, go and watch it again and tell yeah. me if you agree with me. I'll even watch it again, you know, see if I agree with you. Now, a couple of things here um, where my thoughts go. First, I like this whole interaction that David's at her house in the middle of the night, how Vivian's talking to her and she's talking to David, pointing like it's Vivian, you know, like mouthing and stuff like that. And also she says to Vivian, yeah, David's right here with me. We'll come over right now or something. And from Vivian's point of view... What, what does she think about David being there with Maddie in the middle of the night? Ah, that doesn't come <laughs> up, does it? I don't think she really cares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we do yeah. see that um, she's busy, but it, isn't that kind of funny that like David's right here with me right now, like here in the middle of the night, like, you know, I know Vivian's busy and she's got other things in her mind, but as a viewer, I'm always thinking Sue and I, you know, from our, our Facebook group, we often talk about people's perception of Maddie and David, they always sit so close. So they're always standing so close or like, yeah, they're together here in the middle of the night. Like, wouldn't people be like, why are my detectives, you know, even later they're like holding hands while they're talking to a client and stuff like that. It's like, wouldn't the client be like, why are these detectives like always so close standing with each other, wrapped around each other, holding hands and, you know. (laughs) Mm. Never actually thought about what other people think of them. Mm. We're just worried about what we think of them. Right. Um, yeah. You don't see or hear Vivian, what Vivian says, because they don't film that part. No. Um, but you're right. Deep down, she's probably thinking, oh, what's David doing at Maddie's house? But you know what? Does she really care? And the thing is that Vivian wants this CEO position. That's all she wants. And yeah. she'll do anything to get it. So I don't yeah. think she gives a flying fig. <laughs> 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 Flying fig or flying frig. We'll talk about that in a future episode. Um, yeah, exactly. They rush over to SRT in the Porsche. They were in the BMW at first, and now they're driving the Porsche everywhere. I think David was driving the Porsche at this point because he he did rush over to Maddie's. Yeah, that's Maybe. true. How did he get there? Yeah, and I always get confused because we drive on the right-hand side. So when I watch this, I have to remember who's driving when they get out oh. of the car. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Because you guys have left-hand drive. Yeah. I, I'm always wondering how they um, decided who was going to drive because it seemed pretty 50-50. Yeah, it does, yeah. So anyway, yeah, they drive over to SRT. So as they're walking into SRT, they're debating. Couldn't have been Baker Senior because this. Couldn't have been Brian because of this. 
They couldn't have been Omar Gas because of this. And, of course, they walk in and she says, well, if it wasn't Omar and it wasn't Brian and it, and it wasn't, you know, Holt, who, who was it? <laughs> and they, they quickly find out. They quickly find out. She's all dressed up to the nines with her laser yeah. gun. <laughs> She's got the whole suit on. She's looking it's good. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's yeah. great. So uh, Vivian takes a turn here. You know, the other yeah. side of Vivian comes out, right? Yeah. She said they were getting too close. And she didn't think they would keep investigating after they were fired. Yeah, so she's like, I'm sorry, Maddie. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And why did Vivian get her very best friend involved if she knew that she was the ultimate, you know, culprit of it all anyway? You know, it's so funny. And Vivian's a terrible shot as well. Well, when you think about it, Vivian would never have thought that they would have solved this because she's a model. She she probably thought she's a model. She's not an investigator. We'll hire That's her. True. I'll get away with this for sure because they're not going to solve this. Maybe, yeah, she just figured like Maddie would be useless as a detective. Yeah. Yeah, Vivian is all dressed up with her hair down and everything. She's got her jumpsuit on. She's got her laser beam. David, of course, is flippant and like pulls a cigarette out. <laughs> Since when does he have a cigarette? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's got a cigar in the yeah. lie detector test, and now he's got a cigarette so that yeah. she can blow it out. He tries to smoke once in a while in the show. Yeah. He doesn't get very far with it, but no, you know, I you, know. Could on, yeah. you could still smoke on TV at that time. So he says something about, you know, when he puts a cigarette in his mouth and shoots the laser beam at the cigarette, which was some special effects going on there. Yeah, so she's quite openly telling them yeah. that she right. is the leak, not Omar. And she actually rang Holt and making out she was Omar's assistant. And that's oh. why Preston Holt was telling the truth, thought he was telling the truth, because yeah. he was getting what he thought was Omar's assistant to uh, yeah. um, contact him. Yeah. So she's telling them openly that she's the leak because she's to what she thinks she's going to kill them. Oh, that's right. So she's yeah. like spilling her guts. It's kind of like the show's running out of time. We've just got to spell it out for the audience, you know. That's right. <laughs> this, yeah. Here's the plot, guys. Yeah. yeah. And so Maddie says, why? She says, because, and of course, she turns around and her brother, Brian, is behind her saying, because she wants to run the company and she can't do that unless I fail. Yep. Yeah. So that was a good scene because she had to turn around to see her brother. And then David, while she was distracted, grabs her and they start flying lasers around the room. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep. the whole thing yep. collapses and I thought it was a good piece of writing that they were both on the ground and the, the lasers going around and around and around on the ceiling to create this circle of ceiling concrete antenna that falls on top of her yeah that was clearly not her as well you could tell that. no <laughs> yeah that was funny but a lot of good lines here you know Maddie and David they fall on the ground and here they are like kind of spooned up together Right. She's like, he's got his arm around her and stuff. And he's like, Maddie, hi, Maddie. There's some really like quick and funny lines of something about um, religion. He's going to like convert to a religion real quick and something about like quick initiation period. But also like nice friends you have, Maddie, or something like that. Some, some kind of <laughs> reference to like these are your friends who needs enemies kind of thing. So there were some really quick, funny lines and Maddie and David kind of running and avoiding laser beams and, you know, it's clearly stunt doubles. It's kind of um, the, the set looks a bit cheap, I think. And yeah, it's kind of funny. That observation booth looks like cardboard. Yeah. And how things kind of fall around them and everything. You know, I can just see them setting up. They make it look like a real basement. Yeah. Uh, the red railing is good. Yes. But the actual observation booth, when it collapses, you think, oh my God, that's just made of cardboard yeah. paper. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The whole laser beam thing. I don't know. Is this a reference to Star Wars or just like maybe the way that the future of technology was going as far as um, weaponry or something like that? You know what I mean? I think it's like a lot of play and references. Could be a bit of Darth Vader. Yeah, could be. You know, Glenn's having a bit of fun with it. Like you said, it falls, the ceiling falls on Vivian and that's pretty much the end of her. And they know who the culprit is and now it's all been solved. I just found the reaction again. I wasn't impressed by Brian's reaction to his sister just being squished by a big piece of concrete. Yeah, what was his reaction? He just sort of looked at her in disappointment. Mm, It wasn't like, oh, my God, my sister's dead. Right. Then you're waiting for the word. What do you think David's going to say now? Heavy. Heavy. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Terrible. Oh my God. Well, that's kind of a slang, you know, the ceiling was heavy and it crushed her, but heavy, like, wow, that's, this is kind of a heavy thing to have happened. Maddie's friend just died in front of her. And this all took a crazy turn where Vivian is now not only the culprit, but she's dead. It was a lot of good direction in it too. You know, they're getting shot at the observation booth collapses and them on the ground when the they're shooting on the ceiling And then when David, realising that the roof is going to collapse, springs to life and dashes over to Maddie. Yes. Saves his own life. And they kind of stand together. And and then they have like the little show tag, the end tag of them with a lie detector. (laughs) David really is beating a dead horse here with. First of all, what's he doing taking the lie detector out of that building and bringing it over to Blue Moon? That was my first thought. Of course, he asks her the same question Omar Gauss asked her about, were you prone? Did you have a view of the ceiling? Um, Yeah. Got that information. No, first of all, you know, he said, what's your name? And she said, yes, my name is Maddie Hayes. And she thought, oh, that was fun. Ask me another question. And that's when he asked her. Then he asked her about Omar Gauss. But, of course, she gets upset, rips it off. And he said, oh, I thought you were having fun. I, I know I am. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I forget. Like, yeah. yeah, kind of freeze frames. Yeah. yeah. And this is probably, I think, the last episode that starts the credits, stops the film, yet the character is still talking. Mm. It happens in Gunfight at the end. Yeah. He's talking right. about bus station, train station, all that stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. But I don't remember it happening in any future episodes. We'll find that out. I know. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. I think it's um, a bit of a dated editing technique, and they do stop that. And that's why this is, to me, the last really kind of dated episode. Starting with the next episode, um, things don't look so dated to me. The next murder you hear is next. But then again, Um, the next one doesn't have a lot of Blue Moon either, and neither does the one after that. And no, whenever that next stop murder. Yeah, so I think it's going to take a few more episodes to actually get into more of the blue moon scenes and slamming doors, etc. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Uh, what, what's our door slam count? Well, is that zero, isn't it? I don't think we've had any door slams. No. Yeah, and we've only had feet going in the elevator. Yeah, um, we haven't had feet coming out. The goof's mistakes. Well. It's only when I think when she's looking the wrong way, which happens quite often. And that's about it. And Bruce didn't sing, but he did the intro of the Twilight Zone. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Now, Grace, is this episode in your top 10? It is indeed not. It is indeed not. Um, It is indeed indeed not in mine either. (laughs) 
Hey, Shauna, I'm talking in iambic pentameter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's not this episode, Grace. No, it's not in my top 10. No. No, me either. I would say my favorite scene, my whole favorite sequence scene in this episode is when they're on surveillance outside. And oh, my favorite line is definitely the, um, oh, Margaus lied to me. Brian Baker called me names, you know, that whole thing. I'm like, I don't think I like men anymore. We still like you. I think that's like such a cute little banter. It's a episode full of great lines, great banter, a lot of references that really slip by you that quick. Yes. Um, A real jam-packed episode, but it's not one of my favorites. But I do enjoy watching it. Yes, I enjoy watching it too. Um, It's not my go-to episode where I would just throw it on any old night, but I always enjoy it when I watch it. Yeah, like you say, moves really fast, lots of references, lots of good dialogue. In my mind, it's not like full moonlighting yet. What do you think about that? Is this like, you know, are we into like real moonlighting here for you? No, not yet. For us, obviously for fans, our full-on moonlighting is her coming out of the elevator in the morning, being greeted by Mr. Pesto, Mm -hmm. asking her whether Mr. Addison is in yet, going into her office, him being cheeky in the office, starting up an 1800 number. um, Oh, you guys have a different number, but anyway. And there's no Santa Claus hotline. There's no limboing. And the other thing I noticed was we haven't got the set extras yet in the background, the office. Yeah. Yeah. Not in here. There was a little bit in uh, in Gunfight in the Social Corral. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. When they're like racing across the office, when they're door slamming, when they're bantering, when, yeah, like you said, legs coming out of the elevator, Mr. Pesto, clients in the office. That's when you get into real moonlighting. Do you want to get to trivia now? Sure. It's now time for Moonlight Trivia. Who wants to go first? All right. I will because I didn't have any last week. So let me ask you a couple. The first one now, you but you did say, because one of my questions was, what fruit is on the towel that's over David's shoulder, the tea towel? You said oranges. I wrote lemons. Oh. So yeah. So I'm not, I'm not really sure what the answer is there. But I put a twist on this question. So what color were the rubber gloves that David was wearing in that scene? Oh, get out. <laughs> And that's my question. What color are the rubber gloves that David's wearing when he opens the door from Maddie's house? When he has his tea towel and he has his apron, he's got the suds on his face. Okay. From memory, it's telling me it's pink. You're right. Oh, they were pink. Oh, good. I got that right. You're always good at at least working it out. Okay. Good job, Grace. You got one. Um, Second one is, this is a little harder one. When David was in that storage area and um, he had, you know, a whole setup there on the table, can you name a few of the items that he had on the table in his storage area that he had set up at SRT? Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. There was a, uh, a green box of poker chips. Okay. There was the playing cards. Yes. I don't remember anything else. There's all the other crap on the desk. I know there was a lot of other stuff on there. That's the all only right. two things I can remember. All right, you got a couple. When they came back in from talking to Brian Baker, there was a kind of a different shot of the table. There was a recorder. There were playing cards, as you said. There's the lie detector machine, a calendar, and a Rolodex. Oh, yes, the calendar, which was similar to the one she was holding in the pilot. Yes. Yes. I did notice that. Yes. So that's what was on the desk. The other one was how many new patents did Holt file that morning, which I'm sure you can get. Yeah, two. Remember, two. So those are my trivia questions. Well, I wrote quite a few down because just in case we mentioned it in our episode, I had to cross it out. One, I have to cross that one out. 
Okay, what is the color of Agnes's crochet needle? Oh, good one. Was it purple? No, but what she's crocheting is purple. Was it green? It was green. Yay! (laughs) I got the two colors. Yeah, those were colors. I'm trying to picture the scene. Okay, next one is, what is the official name of the laser gun? Oh, good question, Grace. Um, Okay, so Brian Baker mentions it once, and also right at the start when they show the gun, the name of the gun is on the gun. Okay, okay. Oh, gosh. Uh, Something like the laser beam 2000 or something. I don't know. There's some kind of like number in it, I think. Uh, Gosh, it's a good question. I I can't answer it. The answer is the L1. Ah, the L1. I was like, (laughs) the L1. Interesting. I think you were getting a little bit too fancy there, Shauna. I was. was, Yeah, I was going to the other extreme, wasn't I? What was the color of the bandana on the terrorist dummy? Ooh, good question. Um, Was it red? Yes. Good girl. I got my colors. I got my colors down. (laughs) You got your PhD back. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) It's now time for Moonlight Mail. This first one is a message that Shauna received, but we don't have a name, but I'm sure you know who you are. So thank you for sending in your message. My parents let uh, me and my sister stay up and watch the show when it first aired in Ireland, 1986, I think. I never got the romance side of the show at the time, but I love the comedy aspect and the action and have been a fan ever since. It's the type of show that people from any age group can get enjoyment out of. I've actually got a signed promo pic that they bought off eBay and have had it on their wall for nearly 20 years. And they have the um, soundtrack on CD. And they're very happy that there's going to be a podcast about the show. So yeah, there's another place in the world um, where we have listeners and fans, which is amazing. This is from Gina. Dear Shauna and Grace, first off, thank you for conducting this podcast on such an iconic show. I'm 36 years old, so I was too young to watch Moonlighting when it was on air, but I remember my mother loved it. I'm old enough, however, to appreciate the fan craze of a show that we could not binge watch before the days of online streaming. Although I'm grateful that I was able to binge watch this series during the quarantine last year. Having to wait each week for an episode is part of the excitement because we, the audience, actually get to experience the same episode together each week, as opposed to a given person's respective binge-watching pace today. I imagine there were few spoiler alerts back in the 80s unless someone recorded a show on their VCR. My question is about the fan craze on Moonlighting. Can you speak about when the show's popularity really took off and what it was like? I wish I could also ask this question to the actors of the show. Was the show an immediate hit after the pilot episode? Perhaps there was a turning point after the iconic The Dream Sequence Always Rings Twice episode in Season 2. I wish I could go back in time and experience the craze when Maddie and David actually did the deed. (laughs) Moonlighting has become an all-time favourite TV show and I think the chemistry between Sybil Shepherd and Bruce Willis is unmatched still to this day. After watching the series, I could not get enough and read Scott Ryan's book about the show, Moonlighting and Oral History, and thought it was very well done. Now there is your podcast for me to enjoy. So the timing is perfect. Thanks again. 
All the best, Gina from Maryland in USA. Isn't that lovely? Yes, great. Thank you, Gina. Thank you for that email. So Mm. many listeners can relate to what everyone has said, you know, everything that we've read, right? One of our devoted listeners, Jason, has sent us an audio telling us a little bit about his experience with moonlighting. And here's what he had to say. So I I was not even a pre-adolescent. I was like at the end of my childhood as a boy um, when moonlighting got started. I mean, I was like a regular boy with puberty, not like David Addison, who probably hit puberty when he was like eight years old. <laughs> um, but I was a kid. I didn't really know who Sybil Shepherd was. No one knew who Bruce Willis was yet. But I, I think for me, what drew me in or what first got my attention, I think it was the intro song and that the sound of the Al Jarreau song. And I don't know why, but the intro was very mesmerizing to me as a kid. And I was very intrigued. Um, it seemed very adult and kind of sexy. And it was like romantic, but not in a like cheesy soap opera way. My babysitter watched a lot of soap operas, I remember, and I, I would just sort of like roll my eyes. But Moonlighting had this sort of like it was all in that intro, this kind of like romance and this kind of jazzy, like grown up, but cool sound. Then just watching the show was so enjoyable. And and I just revisited the pilot and you can see it right away that, you know, the chemistry, the interactions between Maddie and David, and they're both so like perfect and brilliant in their own part. I'm not saying anything new here, but like I love watching Sybil Shepherd's reactions and her face when David talks. Like I, I was watching the pilot and I really realized a good part of it. What was so funny was was watching Maddie Hayes' face as David did whatever the hell he was doing at the time or saying. I'm sure some of the, the ad lib stuff and improv quality that. Bruce Willis brought to the, those interactions, I think probably helped make it as did, you know, I don't know if Sybil Shepherd would get annoyed with that, but it was, but at the same time, there was this like, you know, the attraction between them. And, you know, I just thought it was clever and funny. And as a kid, I'd never seen humor like that. And the combination of comedy and, and attraction between, you know, a man and a woman that was done in a really clever way. I know that, you know, Moonlighting has been referenced as sort of like Howard Hawks, like the the old classic movies, which, I, you know, I didn't know as a kid. But watching that show and later hearing about it, then I was sort of curious about like, you know, later, where, where did that kind of, what was it inspired from the banter that, you know, Maddie and David and the writers did such a great job of, of kind of, you know, redoing in an 80s way. It was very stylish. And, and I remember one of, my, one of my childhood friends, when I talked about that, I watched Moonlighting, he was like, oh yeah, my, my mom calls that, that, that's the show with the classy lady in it. <laughs> Sybil Shepherd was the classy lady and David was David. Thank you, Jason, for emailing your audio into us. If anybody else wants to forward an email with an audio attached, you're very welcome. Fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. Okay, so Shauna, what episode are we going to be talking about next time? 
Next time on Moonlighting the Podcast, we will be discussing the next murder you hear. And it's season one, episode five. Yes. I'm really looking forward to that one, Grace. Yes, so am I. I've got a a lot of insights I'd like to talk to you about, Shauna, about this episode. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I have uh, many things to say about that. In the meantime, we'll get to uh, doing our research, rewatching. I hope all our listeners will be doing the same. Maybe take your own notes and see if you agree with what we're saying. Yeah, that's right. And any feedback, any insight that you have about um, what we've already discussed or a future episode, please write us at fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. We love to hear from all of you and we get letters every week. Just keep them coming because we love the stories, don't we, Shauna? We do. We love the stories. We love to hear the background, um, how people came into Moonlighting, and we love to hear how you're liking all of the episodes. Thank you for supporting us, Moonlighting fans. We hope you are enjoying our episodes. And if you feel so inclined, Shauna and I would be very appreciative if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts so that we know we're on track with our content and continue to provide you with a great experience. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting the Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.